to the Fresh Expressions podcast. I'm Gannon Sims. I'm joined by my colleague, Heather Jalad. And this episode, we're discussing Fresh Expressions and the rural church. Uh, Heather had a great conversation with our colleague, Tyler Kleberger. And I mean, the the fact of the matter is, and, and a lot of us are, are attuned to this reality, I mean, the rural church is the dominant church in the United States. The reason why we worship at 11 a.m. still, uh, many of us on Sunday mm-hmm. mornings, is that rural reality. It's 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 when people could get their chores done on the farm. And and so I think as um, we are an increasingly networked society as a people during the pandemic, I mean, a lot of people uh, moved out of cities, people are being priced out of cities, broadband internet is is increasingly available in rural areas. So it's it's really a time uh, not to dismiss the rural church um, or to think that it's a thing of the past, but to say, you know, is the rural church poised for renewal and how can fresh expressions of church kind of help that along? So, so Heather, what did you uh, glean from, from Tyler? What are some of your uh, takeaways and questions? Yeah. First of all, I mean, I was just happy to see that, um, you know, that we're talking about this, right? The, the, the church in Europe has been talking about rural fresh expressions for a long time. Sally Gaze wrote, you know, uh, the rural fresh expressions of church book, uh, almost two decades ago now. And, um, and Tyler had a lot to say about it. I think the, the primary things that he really lifted up in our conversation were really the thick community that, you know, those, those deep, relational connections that really kind of brought him back to uh, uh, the place where he grew up that he ran away from, <laughs> and yeah. was, uh, which is a very rural context. Um, and um, really the depth of relationships that's just so integral to our own discipleship and, and what it means to be the church. Um, he also really talked about the the particularity of the rural context that um, I think has many things to teach us uh, in in the the the, the capital C church uh, about what it means to be church in different in different contexts and that incarnational embodied presence that uh, again is just uh, so integral to uh, to the rural uh, landscape and the rural church. So I I really asked Tyler to kind of lift up what what things the rural church can teach us. Um, Tyler ended up starting a, a fresh expression of church out of a, a an inherited model of church called Farmhouse Church um, that he'll talk about and share about as well. Um, again, many many things to teach us in um, a landscape that uh, is is so integral to the beginnings of the church really in this country as well. Uh, so anyway, I, I know that many people will glean much from this conversation with Tyler Kleberger. Welcome back to the Fresh Expressions podcast. I am here with a new friend, Tyler Kleberger, who uh, is here to share with us why the rural church needs fresh expressions. And I have all kinds of thoughts and feelings about that after uh, reading the book that you co-authored with Michael Beck, uh, Tyler. But why don't you introduce yourself the way you like to be introduced? Yeah. So I am uh, in a rural area. I'm I'm from Northwest Ohio and uh, have been elsewhere. But over the past 10 years, I've been um, in, in Rural Northwest Ohio, which is right outside of Toledo, for anybody who's kind of familiar with that <laughs> that area. 
Um, I've been a pastor out here for 10 years now um, and have been kind of in the, the clerical world for a little bit longer than that. And, and most of my time has been at one small rural church in, in the Methodist denomination, which is a bit of a rarity. Methodist pastors are known for itinerancy and being moved around a lot. And I've right. been able to be in one place. Um, and through those, uh, through that time, um, rural has become home. I've become really passionate about it. Um, outside of church work, I have a few other odds and ends kinds of jobs. Um, I work at a local high school as well. I coach football. I do stuff with technology and computers. Um, but I'm also an author. Uh, Fresh Expressions of the Rural Church was the most recent work that I've been able to do with Michael Beck, which was incredibly meaningful for me because that's mm. kind of the topic at my heart. Um, but then I also write and have a podcast under the uh, under the title of Becoming Human. And um, that kind of exploration mm. is equally important to me as well. So kind of all over the place, I, I do... I call myself a hobbyist farmer. Um, we do like basic home studying <laughs> a, a stuff. A bit of a renaissance man, uh, multivocational. Yeah, all, all over the place. Um, but I love it. And it's all kind of under one singular umbrella of doing work that I think is important. So, so Tyler, I said something, I said something before, before we hit record. And that is uh, you are, the rural church was not your plan. Um, but I yeah. think that that's, frankly, when we find ourselves in places we never thought we would be is when we know uh, God's in it. Uh, how how did you get to where you are? Tell, uh, give us the cliff notes of your story. <laughs> yeah. And, and when I say I've become rural, that's because I wasn't originally. That That's mm-hmm. a new experience in my life. Um, so I grew up in, in the city. Um, I've been urban and suburban for most of my life. And prior to being out in Metamora, Ohio, which is like population 600 or so, um, I was living in Los Angeles, California. So that's kind of the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Um, The story of how I got to this place is very unromantic um, (laughs) and a little bit confusing, uh, partly because I never necessarily intended to be a pastor. Um, I had actually left the church in college Mm-hmm. Pretty typical of the deconstruction experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually going to seminary while that was the case. So uh, mm. the church has always been an important part of my life, not necessarily the most important, yeah. um, at least as an institution. Mm. And I eventually got to a place where I, I was I was very intentional that I felt obligated or responsible to do something within the church instead of just mm. complaining about it. Um, and so the reason we moved back to Ohio from uh, California was we had a child and and there's a whole story about this. We, we yeah, did not know. Yeah, we were yeah everybody needs to check out the book so they can get the story. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was, it was, a, it was chaos um, <laughs> that, that prompted us to move back. We had no um, no plans for what we would do, and uh, as I was living in the Toledo area, a the 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 pastor who was at what was Metamora United Methodist Church died, and mm-hmm. they needed somebody to just come and fill the pulpit, really. Um, and I was broke and available, 
So <laughs> I said, yes. Um, and I remember I, I write about this a little bit, but driving out the first time and just passing beans and corn and wheat mm-hmm. and uh, just no life, no energy compared to what I was used to, which was Los right. Angeles. Um, and I was like, there's no way I can do this. I'll give them, I'll give them their interim, fill the pulpit and I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> obviously that's not what happened. Um, right. so there's that mix of wasn't necessarily thinking about clerical work, um, and was not thinking about rural at all. Right. And then this place became home. And as it mm. became home, what I found happening was this disposition I had toward the church um, the, this rural community at least was the perfect place to nurture that. Yeah. And, and that brings up some of, some of the, the difficulties, but also the benefits of the situation of the global rural church right now. I found that here and that gave me an opportunity as kind of a deconstructed de-church person, I'd even say to right. go, wait, the church can be different. And these folks seem primed to find a way to make that happen. And that's ultimately mm-hmm. the story of uh, Metamora United Methodist Church, which became the farmhouse because of that experience. Um, they were willing to let this 24-year-old, very strange uh, outsider, they gave me permission <laughs> to go, we got to do something different here, yeah. which is the only thing I was willing to do within the church world at that time. Well, it's interesting because you you kind of describe yourself as being a bit desperate at the time that you end up there, right? Like not yeah. not where you thought you would be, not what you thought you would do, but something needed to happen. And so you found yourself in this place and um, and you speak to this in in the book um, because I underlined it, highlighted it uh, and and I think um, it can be a hard place to find yourself. And that is, um, you say the church awakens when crushed, uh, mm. really speaking to this gift of desperation, um, that, uh, that you're, you're willing to do whatever you're at the point where nothing's working <laughs> and you're willing to do whatever it takes. So I think that this is a gift that you've named, um, in the, in the rural context, I also think that the uh, the thing that you really speak strongly to, at least that I really hear, is the sense of community and connection in a rural community. Although everyone is so dispersed, there is such a, a sense of, as you as you call it, home of of community and um, and connection and family uh, that I think is frankly lacking in a lot of uh, contexts and a lot of places. So speak to that kind of that gift of, of desperation and how you got to be farmhouse uh, church and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and how that really is a gift to, of the rural church. Yeah. It, and I think this, this is not just about rural churches, because if you kind of span the horizon of church history, the thing that you see is this ebb and flow of desperation, difficulty, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. comfort. And the the moments of church history that have been the most catalyzing have been out of experiences of suffering yeah. or complex situations that that moved into creativity or reformation. Um, and and I think you know when you when you hear all these statistics about the church right now and membership is declining, you know it's at its lowest um, 
lowest experience in the United States in, in what, like the last 50 years or something. I, I was going to um, say, and yet I was looking at some Barna stats uh, a little bit ago, and it was saying that people are um, praying more and want to sure. read their Bible. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, and, but- <laughs> and there's this whole sociological effect of traditional yeah. religion within our political climate and cultural climate and all of that. Um, but the church itself as an institution, it, it has this weary gloom over it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I'm one of those folks that, and I don't think I'm an outlier here, who looks at that and says, oh, good, good. Yeah, breathing room. <laughs> because now that forces us to do the thing that we were established mm-hmm. under. Um, yes, sir. It, yeah. And and if you look at the rough parts of church history, it's when the church was really comfortable and powerful and dominant. Um, yeah. and, and I think rural contexts, at least in the United States, and, and at least what I've seen anecdotally, uh, embodies that reality more than other places, at least. I, I would say they're 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 more aware of it, um, and you speak to the the comfort. I mean, when you in some of, in some of the contexts, um, and I would just speak to the context I'm in in the Bible Belt. Um, there is just a denial of the reality that uh, that we're looking at, and we mm. have all the bells and whistles, and we're really comfortable. And so, why would we do anything different? And why aren't people coming to us? And why why don't we? You know, so uh, I would say that that that. Um, kind of coming to the end of yourself, which hello is a a, a conversion yeah. experience. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> coming to the end of yourself is is uh, uh, in three D full color for the the rural church in ways that it's not in other places. Although it is the reality, uh, it, it is right. not as apparent, I guess. Well, and I so so Michael especially, but Michael and I both have had. Um, experiences within the recovery movement. Mm-hmm. And um, Michael really brings that out as this language of complete desperation. That's where it comes from. Yeah, And, you know, there, there's this issue globally. Rural churches seem, at least some of them, seem to be ones that are primed to be aware of their condition, um, that our yeah. lives are unmanageable. And, and that's that's the prompt. That's that's what allows something to, to change. Um, I think globally, the church needs an intervention, and that's mm-hmm. that's not to say like that's we good. finally failed. It's just what we've always needed, and we're going to yes. continue to need it in the future. And even if we yes. do great fresh expressions now, reformation is a continual process, and that's okay. Um, but you know, show me a church that's really comfortable, and I'll I'll yeah. probably be uncomfortable in that place because yes. it yes. feels static. Yes. Um, and that's, and that's some of the, like, we use the language at the farmhouse of perpetual conversion, Mm. you know, that the the experience of Saul on the road to Damascus was not, uh, was not a singular event. It's a continual invitation or. That's sanctification, my friend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and, or you look at the story of Jacob and we go like this one moment where he, he wrestled. Right. It's like no, that's that's an invitation to, that needs to continue. The, the the narrative needs to continue. And what I what I notice is this language that comes from the book of Revelation of forgetting your first love. Mm. And, and when we're comfortable, that's when we start maybe forgetting the love that we had at first. And I think that's that's what what happens wow. with the church in Ephesus in that in that example. Um, and that's. 
yeah. early in the church's history. So maybe, maybe we're embodying that as well. Um, mm. But again, at least in my experience, the thing when people ask, what allowed you to do this at, at the farmhouse at Metamora, this, this little old place. <laughs> and it was because liter- literally we were desperate. Yeah. Um, when I come in here, we, they, the church had just lost its building about eight years before. Um, it had no money, uh, as far as like, you know, you know, sometimes you get these, these, um, the, somebody's will gives them a bunch of money and right, it gets right, invested. Right. A big had, endowment had or something. Yeah. Their, their current pastor had just died unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. They, they were ready to go. I think we're done. But, well, my gosh, first of all, you said, you said they had just lost their building eight years ago. Like these folks were hanging on for eight years. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And, and literally through those eight years. So, uh, when, when the building was lost, their demographic dwindled significantly. So it mm. was very much kind of hanging on, you know, kind of maybe trying to find something, but at the most part it was just accepting this is what is. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, I show up into that and I'm just like, get me out of here. This is yeah. terrible. Um, but it was, it was that, that lack of vitality that allowed them to go through the intervention process. And they did mm-hmm. it themselves where they said, we have to do, we, the, the, the statement was, we either need to try something or we need to close our doors. Mm. And so they were willing to try something. Now, so now that so dis- Tyler, where were they meeting all this time? Because they have black mold in their building. Where were they yeah, gathering? Uh, they went to the local elementary school. Okay. Um, and I know, like the mega church movement, sort of popularized meeting in a like a school auditorium. Well, this was a school cafeteria, so it mm-hmm. wasn't glamorous at all. <laughs> um, so they they were just meeting there partly because it was the only space available mm. um, in the in the whole rural area. Wow. Um, but the disposition that they kind of witnessed to is not unique to them. That That's something that can be embodied in a lot of places. And you see this organizationally as well, you know, business leaders saying, you know, we got to think small. We, we got to mm-hmm. make sure that we don't get comfortable with where we are or else we're going to fall behind. Um, like Kodak is an example that's used yeah. a lot of, you know, look, we're leading the film industry and then digital cameras coming along and right. they didn't know what to do. Yeah. So as the world around us continues to shift, the church needs to keep thinking small in that way or, or mm-hmm. continuing to be desperate. And again, when the church has failed to do that, the church has struggled. Um, right. a, a friend of mine uh, who was really instrumental in, in kind of guiding me in those first years, he always used this picture of a wave. And the church always has these moments where a wave is coming. And we're either going to ride the wave in mm. or it's going to crush us and it's still going to take us in. We're still going to move, <laughs> but it's going to hurt. Yeah. Um, and so if we can have this disposition of sensing the waves and moving with them, uh, we, we can take what can be desperation or struggle and difficulty and turn it into something transformative. Mm. And then I, I think that's the invitation for the church at large. But yeah. that's something I see in rural communities right now is that I think we embody that desperation more tangibly uh, than a lot of places. And, you know, I'm not saying rural churches should lead the 
the movement forward. But in a way, we're primed to do that. We're, yes. we're primed to get creative and to explore different opportunities that maybe comfortable churches or larger churches or urban or suburban churches don't don't have that as much in front of their face right. as we do. Um, and there's other factors within that as well. A lot of rural churches don't have as much resources. Um, a lot of right. rural churches, and, and that's not just money. That's that's you, you know assets. Um, uh, even like the buildings that are in rural communities, they're not these kind of elaborate 1990s uh, mega centers. They're mm-hmm. these old brick cathedral ceiling, one room, maybe some some classrooms down in the basement kind of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we have to go. Uh, we we have to find ways to move forward without a lot of access. And mm-hmm. I think that's where creativity can be really good. The other thing that rural churches have as an advantage in in what's a desperate situation um, is what you brought up of the connection yeah. and the belonging. And, and mm-hmm. I'd push that even further into the role that it plays within a small community. You know, I don't admire pastors of urban churches. That is mm-hmm. daunting to me. Yes. You've got hundreds of thousands of people all with their own ideas, visions, perspectives, mm. affinities, uh, trying to create that connection in a metropolis, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Now, on the other side of that, connection's not always fun mm-hmm. because it's messy. everybody knows everybody. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the, if, you, if you think back to the earliest expressions of church, they 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 all functioned within a local context, right? right. And I I always find it interesting when you're reading about like the the first um, church councils. There's there's this huge issue of all of these different local churches are doing things differently. You know, they're doing baptism this way, they're they're celebrating the Eucharist this way, they're claiming this, and we've kind of turned those into you know theological statements. Mm. I think I think it actually reveals a sociological issue. Which is the church is built to be unified but local. This this yes. unity within diversity. Yes. And as a result, the the church has always functioned, or or maybe was intended to function, in my opinion, um, as a, a, a particular expression within its local context. Yeah. You know, our organizational model is really interesting. We mm-hmm. we have this global body that is locally particular. Yes. There's, there's not a lot of global organizations that are capable of doing that. I think honestly, Tyler, in the in in the Western world, we have to remind folks of that because we 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 have a particular brand in some ways. And and when I remind my uh my my friends that uh that at least the denomination that we're a part of is a global church, right? That Mm -hmm. it it is expressed in many different ways, even within this particular denomination. And, um, and it looks very different. What worship looks like for us is looks very different. What small groups look like for us look very different in different parts of the world outside of the, the Western world. And, and, and as you said, the, the diversity across denominations, non-denominations, all the, all of the expressions of our Christian faith are, uh, quite, quite wide and deep. And, and yet 
we're all seeking to center our lives in in Christ, and um, and that's a community that's um, that is yeah. held together by something that transcends um, these differences, right? So the when we're talking about this this local capability and and the role within the church, one of the one of the things that I think is really helpful is we all have a common vision. You know, I think that's kind of what, what you're expressing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but it's going, it has the ability to look different everywhere. Yeah. So, so one of the benefits of this that I think is a uh, very tactile and in, in rural places is uh, a lot of rural churches played a significant role um, within the communities that they were in. And this isn't just right. in, you know, modern America, um, or, or even just in like frontier America, that's what we point out in the book, but, mm-hmm. um, it, it was a stabilizing factor within a universe that's very difficult to survive in. Mm-hmm. And the church offered that because that accomplished its vision of the kingdom of God being made real in places. I think that rural churches still embody that more than anywhere else. You know, we, we're metamoras in uh, Fulton County, Ohio. We don't have access to uh, great nonprofit needs um, mm. or, or like county offices. We, we have some, but churches still kind of play a role of being at the center of village life. Right. It, I look at all of these new churches that are starting, at least in the Toledo area, in the suburbs and in the cities. Um, and I find myself going like, what are you responding to? Mm. Mm-hmm. You, I, and I'm not trying to criticize them. I'm genuinely going like, man, how do you even figure that out? Because in rural places, it's easy. We right. look at the needs and the assets that we have and we go, let's do something with it. In an urban right. context, I mean, maybe you preach really good sermons and <laughs> attract people in, but... Or, or you offer specific individuals sort of a lifeline of space and spiritual growth, and and that's all fine. It's just right in front of our face in rural areas, and yeah, we, and, we, and I think it's. Yeah, I was gonna say what you're naming really is something that's so significant <clears throat> to the Fresh Expressions movement. It's about listening to your community, starting by listening yeah. to your community, paying attention, being present, asking questions, understanding what are the gifts of this community, what right. are the needs of this community, and where can we come together to join God and what God's already doing here. And and that really, I mean, yeah. that is very much the the shape the form of, of the fresh expressions movement, which is why it's a beautiful marriage in a rural context. And, mm-hmm. and right. Exactly. <clears throat> let, let me, let me add to something um, with what you just said, because I, 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 on one hand, I don't want to be critical of, of the approach kind of, I see in more urban places in, mm-hmm. I'm just saying the, the, the response they're going to have is a little bit more cryptic. You know, people yeah. struggling with addiction, people struggling with marriage and, and raising children. That's all mm-hmm. there. Figuring out that response is complicated. And at Very best, complicated. Complex. you see people just, we're going to do a sermon series on it, right? Or we're going to have right. a small group for it. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but when it comes to fresh expressions and and responding to actual situations and context, mm. rural places, I think, just have it easier mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the church still functions in that central role of of navigating life. Mm. Now, what what's worth being critical of is when churches only rely on that spiritual aspect 
you know, the internal introspective, um, cerebral level, we're actually missing a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. I think the church depended on that. The rural church did from 1950 to about 1990 or 2000. Uh, And what you're seeing now is we have to be able to start seeing the larger scope of our sociological reality, which is opening up this possibility of fresh and new ways of doing church. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that has plagued rural churches and probably still will, um, and this is something that I'm skeptical of, even when people talk about uh, the farmhouse, is that we have relied on sort of franchising ideas into our local context. Yes. yes. It, and we get into this a little bit in the book. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe reserve some of that conversation for that. Um, but that's also not a local expression. And, and I don't think it's fair. This kind of gets into some of the perception of rural communities is we went, what cool thing are churches doing in the big places? Right. All right. Can we just buy a copy of that? And try to put right. it here. And that actually steals or takes away from what makes rural places unique in the ways that, that they are. Um, so that, that kind of response to local um, is important. And uh, I'm not going to say, I don't, I don't want anybody to think that um, our church here has somehow found the answer to this or that we've even done this right. Um, I, yeah. I've had to have conversations with some people about the book, somebody, you know, they read it and they email me and they go like, give us the answers. It sounds right. like your church right. is amazing. Well, it's yeah. not. We, we still have all of the same problems. Right. We are, if you showed up on a Sunday at the farmhouse, you'd be like, wait a second, this isn't good. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and to us, that's part awesome. of that's because it's not the the quantitative statistics aren't that important to us. Mm. Um, but also mm. we still have the same issues of dealing with human beings as everybody else. And I'm yeah. one of those human beings. And yeah. sometimes I can talk a really good game and not know how to execute that in reality. Mm. Um, mm. And that's, that's still part of the struggle with whatever you're trying to do. And we, yeah. we can get kind of into some of the, the, conflicts or the the issues that we've had um because i think those are just as important as the ideas themselves well before you go there i think i think that that you know what i hear you saying is that a lot of how we uh currently do church is like you said you called it franchise um it you know i i've related it to colonization in some ways right like it's absent mm-hmm. of context, it's absence, uh, absent of that incarnational um, presence and, and, and witness and listening, um, that embodied uh, a discipleship uh, and what it means to follow Jesus and invite other people uh, on the journey with you. But uh, the yeah. particularity is so important and so significant. And ironically, it's, at, it's in the particularity that we actually reach more people that we're able to invite more people in. There was a great story on a public radio, probably a year or more ago where uh, there was a gentleman that there was a gentleman that named Nigel. And I think it was going to be his 50th birthday and he was in the UK and he wanted to have a party for himself. And so he invited all the people named Nigel to come to his party. And he thought, Oh, maybe I'll have like 50 people come. He had like 500 people come to his party and they were, it was like free for all the people named Nigel. Um, yeah. Free drinks. <laughs> well, and and 
I mean, I think that says something again about the church as a whole. Yeah. Um, is we've we've tried to just cast these really wide and broad nets. Um, mm. And I think at the expense of ignoring the particular. Mm, mm-hmm. And let's let's just be honest that churches have budgets, yeah. and churches within denominations have. Let, I know they don't call them this, but quotas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those things have. I think I think that worked post World War II. Yeah, I don't think it's working anymore. Right. And, and and again, that wave when it crashes, could we could we figure out how to ride that, or, or are we going to get hit by it? Um. And, and particularly what I, what I've seen in rural churches in Northwest Ohio is that they can't afford a, a pastor salary anymore. Right. And, you know, there's sort of this like, what are we going to do? And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, look at the first 1200 years of church history. I, <laughs> I, the, it's a yeah. new thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of the, one of the things I, I push against is if you look at, we're saying like all of this change is happening in a church or even just like the fresh expressions concept. Mm. Um, we're not, we're not really changing much. In, right. in fact, most of the things that we're, we're seeing aren't as useful anymore or, or that are just evolving. Those were new ideas. Just, just the way that we do church yes. services. It's a relatively new within church history. Yes. Um, it, so I think that's part of the thing to consider if we were go back to like how we respond to things, um, it, the the general thing that we've tried to do well is to one just ask the question, "What's missing? What's mm-hmm. not here?" Um, and and that's led to a couple um, iterations of enterprises or or ministries, if you want to call them that, um, that have kind of become fresh expressions in their own right. The other thing that I would say in that regard of responses um, and fresh expressions as a whole for rural communities is um, you're not necessarily starting something that's going to be eternal. There there have been things mm-hmm. that we okay. did that were immediate responses to something that lasted a couple of weeks or a few months, and then it was done and its season was over. Um, and that's okay. But the biggest thing that we've seen that I think we have done well is by creating third spaces. And this comes from, you know, like when I'm in California, I'm, there, there's public spaces all over They're the everywhere. place. Everywhere, yes. <laughs> the weather's also nice, so you're mm-hmm. outside more. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, again, the one thing that we noticed was a huge lack in California was the connection. Mm. Um, there's this huge transient culture, right? Right. Um, and so while we lived in California, we yearned for connection. When we came out here, we saw connection was really important, but there was nowhere to do it. Um, mm. We've got the the public school district, which is a very public space. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, the local tavern and the, the diner. Um, but there's mm. no third spaces for people that kind of sit between the private and the public. Yeah. One of the problems for us not being from here is we were not brought into the private spaces. And that's one of those issues of messy yeah. human beings who know each other. Um, right. There's problems with that. And and so we just tried to create a third space. Um, and this is one of those things that if I were to franchise something out to rural communities in the United States, it would be, you have to think about how you're using your building. Mm-hmm. 
and the architecture of your building and the the design aspects that are communicating something in your building. And one of the things I think we did well, um, so we were in the elementary school cafeteria Mm -hmm. and eventually we uh, renovated, not even renovated, we made usable this old chicken coop on on a proper piece of property that the church kind of happened to own, but didn't do anything with Hmm. that led to such significant change for us that we were able to build a larger version of that barn, um, kind of right next to it. And, uh, when we did, we said, we are going to use language that this is not our building. This is our Mm -hmm. community's building. Mm -hmm. So when we have a church service here, we're using the building in the same way that somebody else can use the building. Mm -hmm. And it just became important for us to keep making very public spaces within, um, within the barn itself. That that has become significant, if for no other reason than there's people who go like, I was able to get my family together in a, in a place where uh, yeah. there's been no options for that in the past. Right. That's not like this huge quantitative win. Mm-hmm. I don't have anywhere to put that on the annual reports for statistics, <laughs> but that was a good moment for somebody in our community. Is that okay? Is that enough? Um, mm-hmm. Now we still have the problem of people not li- people within the church not liking that uh we don't just take ownership of this yeah uh but that that's that's been one of those responses that i think has been helpful um food access has been another mm. um creating spaces for conversations has been another there there's been different iterations of this throughout time but you know here we are sitting in 2022 and I, just in the past few weeks, our our, our community has been talking um, exponentially about like, what's the next thing? What what mm. else do we have to respond to? And we haven't slowed down, which I really love. Wow. Yeah. We just keep asking these questions um, because the fear is that that disposition of desperation will turn into comfort. Um mm. And and yeah. as church leaders, you know, using that that notion of responding to things—that's a never-ending process. If you're doing that right, you won't get comfortable ever, right? Um, and that's that's something that you just have to continue to refine and hone in on. But that adaptive yeah. capacity continues to grow as you continuously try new things and are willing to lean in and and respond to to. To what you're hearing um, from the community, from the from the spirit, from the people um, that you're in the midst of. So, mm-hmm. um, Tyler, where where are you? Where are you finding hope right now? I mean, I, I was about to ask that question, and you just said what you said. That sounds pretty hopeful to me. They're asking what's next. Is there anything that you would add to that? I would say first, not, I'm I am relatively a pessimist. Um, where am I finding hope right now? Not a lot of places. Mm. Uh, and it, it, it's almost the, uh, the cliche of like, the more that I hear and the yeah. more I see stuff on social media, the more hopeless mm. I get. Mm. Um, and kind of going back to something you said, you know, that, uh, the, the Nigel phenomenon, if we want to call it that <laughs> I'm, I'm finding hope in the particular. Yeah. And, uh, COVID was, and still is uh, difficult. 
Yeah. Um, in some ways, COVID was a great experience of complete desperation for a lot of mm-hmm. folks. Mm-hmm. A lot of good things came out of that. Not enough for some, but yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but since COVID, we have noticed something happening here where uh, folks who will show up. So we, we do um, like whatever the opposite of marketing is. Um, that's what we do here uh, at the farmhouse. We we just don't push a lot of a lot of stuff. I mean, we try to make ideas available or what's happening available, but uh, we we're not great advertisers. So mm. people will show up, and when they do, we'll know that they they showed up on purpose. Mm. Um, and what we found is a lot of people showing up and going. I had given up on the church. I yeah. found something that maybe will keep that from happening. Mm. And then they'll always add on to that. I never thought I would find something like this out here. And by out here, they mean the middle of nowhere, rural, rural community. Um, And what I'm noticing more and more is there are in rural communities, a lot of very established churches, Christian culture, you name it. Mm-hmm. There's just as many people, I think, who gave up on the church and just assume that there's no place for them. Wow. Yeah. I I think I have hope that if rural churches can lean into the desperation, if they can lean into uh, this propensity of responding to the particular that's built into our DNA and that rural churches have embodied more than most, there there are people who really need that. And yeah. who want that, and have probably assumed um, that it's just not possible in in their rural places. You know, we either got to go to the hipster city places for that, yeah. <laughs> or um, we just need to assume that it's over. Yeah. I, I, the thing that gives me hope is I've I've been meeting more and more people who um, at least look at the farmhouse and and they express a sort of relief. Mm. That gives me hope. Um, mm. that gives me hope that this, there is a way forward for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else gives me hope? Uh, and this is the more nihilistic side of me. What gives me hope is that things are continuing to fail. Mm. Um, <laughs> that tells me that we're actually, we're on the right track as a church, which yeah. is the, 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 the track of complete desperation will, will force us to continue to move somehow. Um, and I, I, I don't want to make light of that. Like churches have, a lot of churches have closed. Churches are declining. That's a bad thing. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to romanticize Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. saying it gives me hope because if you pay attention to history, this has happened before. Yes. And when it has happened before, the outcome has been better for the church than worse for it. Yes. Um, Yes. So that, that gives me hope too, in again, a nihilistic way. Um, but that that both of those things have have really led me. Um, I don't know if I'm just getting old. Uh, I feel like an old man sometimes <laughs> in the way that I think. I don't know if I'm just getting old or or if this is true. Um, but when rural churches are thinking about this fresh expression stuff, I've come to a place of acceptance um, of of two things, and I, I think these are important. Um, the the first is that starting small mm. and just accepting like the only thing I'm going to do is in this space right in front of me. Yes. Um, 
and and you, you kind of grow weary of hearing the the big problems of the world, you know, like people saying, I just got to turn off the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same kind of happened for me in terms of the church. I grow weary of of reading the statistics and, yes. and looking at the latest research and polls. And I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm just going to care the most about what's right here. In front of me, yeah. In front of my face. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of that has become um, the long game of just accepting that whatever is happening here is going to take a long time. Mm-hmm. And do I have the patience for that? Uh, wow. That that could just be me going like, we've never had immediate success and I wish that we did and we were famous and influential and had thousands of people showing up to our tiny barn. Um, <laughs> so maybe I'm just alluding that, but I... I I'd like to think that it's wisdom of me going mm. like, oh no, the church has always go- done its best when it's going what's right in front of us yeah. and how patient are we willing to be? Yeah. And especially with fresh expressions, there's there's always this fear that someone's going to go, oh, if I just do this, then right. the immediate answer will happen. And it's, right. But if we're basing it on responses to the particular, it might be like, hey, what are you doing now so that in 40 years... Um, it's matured into this really healthy plant. Yes, yes, yes. Those deep, deep, deep roots, right? And some really, really well um, uh, nutrient-rich soil, right? So Mm -hmm. that that it does have the longevity. And and to your point, um, you know, I I hate to even use the word failure uh, because I think we should learn from those things. Sure. Uh, And and unfortunately, I think... um, we've kind of mastered the, well, we'll just try harder and do better instead mm. of embracing the failure, learning something from it and trying something different, which you, you kind of spoke to the, the iteration um, that I think is, is necessary and the willingness to say, this doesn't have to go on forever, um, yeah. that we can try some things for a little bit of time and in the confidence and knowing that that um, obedience to God and what God's mm. asked us to do is is going to bear fruit. We might not see it, but God doesn't waste it. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and I think with uh, when you're thinking about like, okay, so what should we do? Um, I just think our culture has handed us this metric of success that mm. one might might not be sustainable, and and two, I don't know that it has a lot to do with the nature of church. Yeah, and doing something that's just really healthy for one person, that's still worth it. Mm, that's still mm-hmm. good. Or yeah. doing something that's uh might not be like the sexiest thing, but is still really meaningful, that I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with that. And in, in right. fact, I would probably say like that's probably better. Um one one of the suggestions I give people, like they're trying to go, all right, what do we, what, what, what's something we can do? How do we come up with something? Um, and I'll say, just think of ten people, mm. and start with what do those ten people need? How do we mm. interact with those ten people in a meaningful way? And the the example I use is Farmhouse Sabbath, which that that's kind of become our biggest uh, what people think about when they think about the farmhouse or or mm-hmm. fresh expressions here. Um, farmhouse Sabbath started with my spouse and I inviting 10 people over yes. just to hang out with them. And yep. we were like, this is really fun. We should do this again next month. <laughs> we just started doing it every month. And yep. eventually it became this thing. Um, and, and 
there was there was also sort of this mourning process where my spouse and I were like, oh, this isn't ours. This is the community's now. Yes. And we kind of had to let go of something that was really great for us 10 as it grew and grew and grew. Um, so start with 10 people in mind. Mm. And if the only thing that happens is there's this healthy expression for those 10 people, that's still, that's still yes, win. Sir. Yes. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's kind of side by side of like small, long game. Um, those are the things that are mm. kind of sitting with me the most in response mm. to, uh, the hopes that I've seen, which are, I've seen people genuinely find relief in, in this moment of desperation. Um, and, and I think the desperation itself is going to force the church, unless we ride the wave, it's going to force yeah. the church to, to do things differently. That's good. That's good. Tyler, is there anything that I haven't asked you or that you haven't gotten the opportunity to say that you want to kind of close us out with? Um, well, I'm looking at, I wrote down some things before we started, um, <laughs> and I'm realizing that we, we didn't get into any of those things, uh, <laughs> which just means there's a whole we'll lot. Have else you, that we'll have to have you I back another about. time. Yeah. Um, I will, I will say, um, I think it's really important for rural churches to think about what's happening in their places and not just in terms of like responding to needs. Um, I think we need to be really honest about the sociological transition that we're, we're calling rural decline uh, with popular nomenclature, but we, we need to be honest about what's going on in rural communities and rural churches uh, so when Michael and I lead um, sort of like these workshops or trainings, we'll mm -hmm. always begin with, let's just step back and name the essence of what the church is. And I know this is kind of a fresh expressions technique in general. Yeah. Yeah. Rural churches really need to do that because you have um, people who for their entire lives have been in the church and it's been one form of church. And that that is, th this isn't being critical of them. That is all that they know. Right. And now that church, the reality of church is changing, that feels like the church is actually losing something. Mm. We need to do better at our sort of formation of, the, okay, but what is church? So can this actually be a, an expression of church or can we do this this way? Uh, and it's this whole thing of, of separating the containers from the contents. Right. Mm. But we got to know what those mm -hmm. contents are to know if our containers need to change or if they it's can good. change. Um, good. And then the other thing that I would, that, that we really push, um, we spend a significant amount of time on this in the book is uh, there, there seems to be two main forms of this, which are formation and transformation. Mm. And right now, most churches are only focused on formation and it's questionable of whether or not they're yeah. doing it well based yes, on yes, biblical yes, illiteracy yes. as a whole. Um, but we can't forget that uh, transformation is the point. Yes. Our formation is for the transformation. Right. And right. Um, we, we have used this metaphor of being thorn bushes. Um, and I, I guess I would just shameless plug like, oh, if you want to know what that is, you're going to have to read the book. Um, <laughs> but that has become well, the, the central motif for us of... Okay, if that's what we are as a church, now that opens up, we can we can be doing all sorts of things now. 
That's so good. Just go going back back to the basics, back to the basics. And we've talked a lot about that in this conversation. Tyler, mm-hmm. I appreciate your time so much. I know everyone will um, uh, really, really appreciate what you share in, um, in Fresh Expressions of the Rural Church and, and what it has to offer. And I think it will be the seedbed. See all those, all those, mm-hmm. those. Yeah. It's so <laughs> it'll true, be the though. seed bed. It'll be the seed bed for many conversations and and fruit um, for years to come. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, and um, it's been great to have a conversation with you. We will uh, link the um, the book in the show notes. Tyler, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, I this is not. I hate saying this. I have a website. That's my name. <laughs> so TylerKleberger.com is actually the best way to contact me if you want. Um, the farmhouse also has a website if um, you want to see more about that. That's the farmhouse.live. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I'm all not, the things. I'm not very active on there, but if you contact me on there, I will see it. Okay. Um, and then I'll just say there's there's some different workshops coming up online um, that are are available. I know the West Ohio Conference of the United Methodist Church is having one in November. Um, okay. Michael and I have a couple others kind of scheduled. And um, if you want to kind of make sure you see some of that on Facebook, there is a book community for uh, this concept that's kind of turning more into a rural church conversation place. Yes. Um, so if feel free to join that and you can kind of keep up with anything going on with the fresh expressions of the rural church book. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tyler. And we look forward to getting to talk with you again sometime soon. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Fresh Expressions is a worldwide movement of everyday missionaries who want to see churches thrive in the places we eat, play, work, and yes, even in our traditional churches. To learn a simple five-phase process for starting a new expression of church, go to freshexpressionsus.org backslash how to start. The Fresh Expressions podcast is hosted by Gannon Sims and me, Heather Delod. It's edited by Joel Limbaum and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Our national director is Dr. Christopher Backert. If you've learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and share this episode on social media. Now, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that God's ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations.